Late Night Movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddies where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week, no, this month, no, this next two months... Fort month. Is that what it is? Like a fortnight is two weeks, fort month is two months. Whatever it is, this next two months, Zach has finally given the reins over to Rob and said, you can do some sketch comedy. Not not all of it, because we only got two months, eight episodes, eight Mondays, but we're gonna do it. So I just want to jump right into it, and I feel, how can we start the sketch comedy series any other way? than giving some type of introduction to sketch comedy. So, Zach, buckle the fuck up. It's about to get technical. Are you ready? <laughs> I, am, I am literally clicking my seatbelt right now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I want to correct you, Rob. Fortnite, Fortnite is not a day. It's a video game that tween, teenagers play. Okay, okay. So, Fort Month we're doing, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fort Month. Perfect. So, sketch comedy introduction. This is going to be great, Zach, because you had to know I was going to start by showing off my passion and excitement for sketch comedy. And this is not an overstatement, and I'm not even underselling it either. For Rob, sketch comedy is the greatest thing to ever happen to television and film. I love everything about sketch comedy. I don't love all sketch comedy, but I will watch it all and I will ingest it multiple times over and have a great time doing it. And why that is, I think we'll get into that a lot throughout this series. But Zach, you had to know that was coming, right? I love sketch comedy. So even though you might not have a good time this next two months, you better <laughs> believe I'm loving it over here. So folks, get ready to hear Rob talk a lot this series. <laughs> yeah, I got a feeling this is going to be another Steve Odekirk or Tool or Animal Collective where it's a lot of just me sitting there, kind of sitting in the corner, just minding my own business. <laughs> Going to be twiddling his thumbs over there. That's what Zach usually does <laughs> when we record. But no, I actually think, as what I want to get into next, is one of the reasons why I think Zach is going to be really involved in this series. Because out of all the people I know in my history of you know watching late-night movies, whether those late-night movies be actually late at night or not, I'm, I'm really the only one I know who has such a love for sketch comedy. Sure, I meet some people that are like, yeah, Chappelle's show is the greatest thing ever, but, you know, I can't watch anything else. Or I, I show whitest kids you know to somebody, and after, you know, two sketches, they go, man, I never thought I was this stupid before. Someone <laughs> literally said that to me once about <laughs> whitest kids you know. So what I want from Zach is I want a little more of the technical side for this whole two months, this whole discussion. Oh, boy. And when I say technical side, let me jump into that a little bit and start with what I have lovingly come to call in my notes for this series, Rob's Rules for Sketch Comedy Fort Month. Are you ready, Zach? <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Rob's rule number one. Comedy is on the intent of making somebody laugh, Okay. A pre, a, like comedy is not comedy only if it causes somebody to laugh it's the intent of making somebody laugh so we're starting with our definition of comedy thoughts Zach do you agree do you disagree 
You have to agree. This one, I think, is just is blatant. You know, certain jokes don't make everybody laugh. It doesn't matter if somebody laughs. It's the intent, right? Can I, can I plead no contest? Um, not on everything. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> not the whole two months. <laughs> well, there goes my plan. <laughs> but it's the intent. And I, I'm really, I'm making this rule number one because I don't want to fall into the trap of just having a discussion where one of us is going, oh my God, this is so funny. And the other one is going, no, it's not. It didn't laugh at all. This isn't about funny, about laughter funny. I think sketch comedy is almost a misnomer for this type of genre. This is something that I would you know, define to be loosely, almost disjointed vignettes throughout an episode or you know, some length of time. It, it's not about really making you laugh. Is is that kind of what you get out of sketch comedy, Zach? That's where I want to go next. Is am I blindsiding you with these definitions? <laughs> uh, I shouldn't be surprised by any of this, but I kind of am at the same time. the The amount of thought you're putting into the rules of how we're dissecting this, uh, <laughs> I, I find that fascinating as a concept on a, a level of a human being. But I guess if this is the sort of framework you want to put around the next two months. Uh, <laughs> fort month, sure. yes, <laughs> yes, fort month. Uh, I guess I have, I guess uh, I have no choice other than just kind of go ahead with it. Sure, I play I think, along. I think it has to be said because it's going to come up. You know, with the eight things that we discuss, it's it's going to happen more than once. I'm sure. Where I'm going to explain something that I think is absolutely hilarious, and Zach's going to be like, I had to turn it off and watch uh, Death Wish halfway through this sketch. You know, that type of thing. But that's not, I don't want to fall into that trap. We might fall into it with some sketches that I really have to highlight, but that's, that's really not what I'm trying to go for, is just, oh my God, aren't these things funny? Okay? That's rule number one. Are you ready? Are you good with that, Zach? <laughs> I guess so. Okay. Well, now, rule number two is probably a little more subjective. It's something, a stance that I want to take. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to get a lot of it from Zach, but something that I found in my own history from discussing sketch comedy or at least specific sketches and certain ideas, the themes, the ideas, the messages that these sketches portray, I don't want to limit that to what the writers intended. And I'll use an example to explain what I mean further, is where you know someone can say, oh, I saw an interview with, say, Dave Chappelle, and he said this sketch is about this one particular thing, and I say, oh, sure, I believe that, but I got a different message from it. I've had people... They, don't, they take that as almost they're, you know, I'm damaging them. They think I'm telling them they're lying or something. And they only want to believe what the, you know, creators of these sketches were intending with their themes and ideas. We can talk about that for sure. You know, I mean, we can talk to death about what Alex Winter thinks God's mighty anvil represents. But at the end of the day, there's more than one interpretation. So that's the second rule, Zach. We cannot take the author's interpretation as the end of discussing sketches. Proceed, Rob, proceed. And the last rule that I want to introduce is, uh, this is truly what I would say a Rob's rule. This is the criteria I'm going to go by and I'm going to talk a lot about in this series. And it's the criteria for great sketch comedy. And this really, I don't know, it might be like a sub rule because it's kind of a combination of the first two. But... When I talk about sketch comedy, I'm not talking about the laughter aspect. I'm talking more about the, the mental stimulation. If something actually makes you think. I will never forget when like Portlandia first aired. And I watched the pilot episode. 
And I was like, oh, my God, they, they did some things that I've never really thought of. I've never really perceived things in that light. It was a very unique kind of viewing of uh, the hipster motif. That's what Portlandia is focused on. I recommended it to one of my friends. Two, two, three days go by. We see each other again. He's like, hey, I watched that show, like the first episode of that show, Portlandia. And I was like, oh, what'd you think? And the first thing that came out of his mouth was it wasn't funny. And I was like, I never said it was funny. I never told you to expect that, you know? I just told you to watch it. And so when I am talking about great sketch comedy, it's about that thought. You know, when you watch some five to ten minute segment of people on a stage doing nonsense, and it makes you think, how could that idea have ever been conceived? Wait till we get to Wonder Showsen for that one. That's going to be oh boy. rule number three. That is the criteria for great sketch comedy. You still with me, Zach? <laughs> Rob, Robert, are these gonna be like hung in like the church, like like the Ten Commandments, in the restaurant, like in the cinematic <laughs> restaurant. Absolutely, it's gonna be on every menu, and the coasters are gonna say them. <laughs> oh God! It's gonna be engraved in the coasters. <laughs> Those are our only rules, though, Zach. Okay. Only, only. Okay, okay. Any any questions so far? Is that no, the only person I, well, I get to ask that? <laughs> there are many questions, but I'll save them for uh, when we actually have to apply them to what we're discussing. Okay, okay, perfect, perfect. So something else I wanted to go through quickly is, uh, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast previously, that I had been pitching for a full year of sketch comedy. But Zach, Zach said no, and we bargained down to two months, basically. And yes, that was the best I could get, folks, two months. So if you're upset that we're not going to get, you know, even more than that, we have to wait for, I don't know, what, six years from now? You'll let me do some more, Zach? <laughs> Maybe. At this point, a better chance of doing another Animal Collective series. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When's their next visual album come out? So since I only have two months, I didn't want to do any mixing and matching. I didn't want to, you know, lose focus from some things that deserved a full episode. But there's some things that we're not covering that I think... Are, it's, it's almost a damn shame that we're not covering. I want to run through those pretty quickly, just by name, Zach, in no particular order. Kids in the Hall, Monty Python's Flying Circus, Oh Yeah Cartoons, Mad TV, I cut that one, I think Zach's upset about that. Human Giant, Robot Chicken, Kablam, Ben Stiller Show, all that. Andy Dick Show, you can't do that on television, Second City Television. Upright Citizens Brigade, In Living Color, Little Britain USA. Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. Loiter Squad, I cut that one. Portlandia, I already mentioned. The State, Dana Carvey Show. A bit of Fry and Lori. The Tracy Ullman Show, I was considering that, Zach. He would have loved that, right? That Mitchell and Webb look. So look at that. Check back next time sketch comedy comes. There's plenty left to do. As Zach knows every time he looks at the spreadsheet. <laughs> he just rattled, rattled off a bunch of names, folks. I don't even know if half of those were shows or just things. Those were all fantastic sketch comedy shows that we also could be discussing, Zach, if you gave us more than two months. I have no idea how we're doing sketch comedy and not talking about Monty Python, but uh, that's none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So also in this introduction, I thought I would actually tell Zach some of the things I'm thinking for some structures to these episodes. More structure? I, more structure. Because, you know, I, I always imagine, you know, Zach says frequently, he's like, how are we going to discuss this? That type of thing. So I figured I would preempt that question from Zach and I would give it to him straight 
what I have notes on, what I have thoughts on for all of these things that we're going to discuss in sketch comedy. Of course, we're going to have to talk about things like the cast and the writers and all the people that appear in these great, great things. I think we're also going to have to talk about the actual structure of the episodes. All of these different sketch comedy things have their own specific structure, and it lends to their own personality. That's going to be huge, as I'm sure Zach already picked up on with the idiot box, which is probably the most rigid structure in what we're going to discuss these two months. The style. That's what I was talking about with Zach's technicality earlier. There's some words I want to throw at you and see if we can figure out some styles of sketch comedy and really nail it down. But then we're also going to have to talk about those specific sketches that stood out to us. I always want to talk about why did these shows end, because I'm fairly certain everything we discuss in these two months is a sketch comedy series that is over. I want to talk about the impact as it goes on, the legacy, how it, did it influence other sketch comedy and humor, things like that. And then, of course, we have our real questions, snacks, late night. And we get oh to go back to cinemodity status these two months, right? Oh, my God. Even though this might as well be pure cinemodities for Rob this whole uh, fort month. <laughs> if I knew this, folks, I would never have asked for the Terminator series. <laughs> I never would have asked for that. You know what? It wasn't worth it. I'm paying a very high price to talk about Terminator. You would have had more sketch comedy added a third oh, month? No. <laughs> oh, my God. Two more months of this. Oh, my God. All right. Well, see, the good thing, Zach, is that that introduction only has to come once. Sure, I will reference these things later on, but we had to get it out of the way at the start of the sketch comedy series. And so now, where are we kicking off with sketch comedy? Well, we are taking it all the way back to the year 1990. Or 1991, I found conflicting information on to when this show first aired. Yeah, yeah. What about it? Like it's that 9-5 like shit right here. Take them back like to the 90s. Like yeah, 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 yeah. But we are discussing none other than the idiot box. So, Zach, everybody knows the idiot box, right? Oh, of course. It's kind of, with the, again, you have SNL, you have Mad TV, and you have the idiot box. Exactly, exactly. So, I, I figured that the idiot box is kind of like a, a subset of Freaked. Like, there's everybody in the world, and then there's the subset, the small subset of people that know about Freaked. And then there's an even smaller <laughs> subset of that that are aware of the idiot box, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the nicest way of saying it. I uh, brought it up already. That's exactly why I wanted to discuss the idiot box, because it ties right into Freaked. It's very similar to the humor of Freaked. Um, and it's a shorter one. I think it's the shortest one that we're going to discuss this entire series. And it's something that I don't think gets enough love, but we had to focus on it. So let's just jump right into it. The idiot box. Only six episodes. Only six episodes, and they weren't even real episodes. This aired on MTV, like we said, 1990 or 1991. I found multiple sources that said different years. But this wasn't even really a sketch comedy show. This was more of a sketch comedy rapper, I, I would say, where it would be slated for a 30-minute spot in the TV guide, but what you would see would be maybe, you know, what, 11 minutes of sketches or fake commercials and introductions and Votar. We'll have to talk about Votar. And then it surrounded just music videos on MTV. This was, this was just like a way to keep people entertained between music videos on MTV. Uh, did you know that, Zach? Did you do your, did you do your homework? 
<laughs> well, I think you told me about that. I didn't. You can't hear really because again, uh, we don't have the. Do you have original cuts of this with the music videos, or is it just the stuff? No, the videos I. I do not. I tried really hard to find some original cuts that or had music videos and stuff like that. Um, but no, uh, basically the only place you can find this now is YouTube. Someone has them all up there on YouTube. Yeah, I did not. Again, all my context for this stems from Rob, folks. <laughs> much, much like real scary story. This is Rob's real scary stories. Indeed, indeed. So I I think that you know this this idea. Like I said, I, I tried really hard. I was like, you know, when I tried to look for when this would have aired. You know, when what music videos would have been out around the time of this airing and that type of thing. I couldn't find anything specific. But I mean, 1990 and 1991, I would have loved watching this. One for the fact that it's sketch comedy, and we had great videos in these years, such as Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice, Epic by Faith No More. 911 is a joke by Public Enemy. <laughs> Mama said knock you out by LL Cool J. This would have been great. And I really wish we did have some of those original, you know, maybe like the very much like we talked about the freaked uh, film reel is somewhere in a basement. Somebody has VHS recordings of the idiot box from way back when. Do you think we could find that somewhere, Zach? <laughs> I think they, they must have it somewhere because I know like in one of the things Alex Winter says that he almost got all this onto the, the DVD for Freaked. Oh man, that would have been something else. That'd have been great. Yeah, so I think I think this exists some well, it did at one point, who knows now. But yeah, this this definitely I wouldn't be surprised if this exists somewhere. Hmm. Okay, we gotta keep digging because we gotta know what really, really played uh between some of these episodes. Except that one with Sinead O'Connor. I guess a Sinead O'Connor music video played somewhere in that one, right? <laughs> Was this before or after she tore the picture of the Pope in half on SNL? Oh, you know what? I'm not sure. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I I don't think about Sinead O'Connor a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Actually, I kept wondering. As I was watching, it, I kept thinking about that. Okay, interesting. Both interesting. both sketch comedy shows. Yeah, yeah. And we're not See? doing SNL in this in this two months either. <laughs> what? We're not doing the, the least funny show on television. Yes, we are not covering something that would be like. Remember when it was this show? Remember when it was this other show? Because everybody was different. <laughs> All right. Well, before we leave music videos, I have to I have to say it's a great, great bar trivia. If you're ever out at the bar, as Zach usually is, and just ends up at trivia night, a very common trivia question. I've even seen it myself a few times. What's the first music video ever on MTV back in 1981? It has to be uh, Michael Jackson, right? Ooh, Michael Jackson was up there, I think it was in like the first five, but the first video to ever play on MTV was actually Video Kill the Radio Star oh, by The yeah. Buggles. So it has a very, you know, ironic twist. MTV was like, ha, 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 we're getting them. <laughs> but it was yeah, a full 10 been. years later for uh, the Idiot Box to, to become a rapper for music videos. <laughs> <laughs> so I think because, as I said, I brought up, uh, I wanted to discuss the Idiot Box, not just because it's great 
comedy and I love Alex Winter, but because it tied into Freaked, as we have already discussed on this podcast. And I want to jump a little bit ahead. As I said, some of the things that we should discuss in each episode is why did this show end? Certainly this one, why did it only get six episodes for something that, you know, they only had to produce, you know, seven to 11 minutes worth of content for to wrap around music videos. As internet lore has it, the three writers of the show, Alex Winter, Tom Stern, and Tim Burns, turned down making more of this so they could create Freaked. Did you see that as well, Zach? I did, Rob. I did. So... Is uh, I, I know you have listened to a little bit more of Alex Winter in interviews and things like that. Do you know if there's any truth to this? Uh, not off the top of my head. I've, again, I have not listened to that. Uh, I haven't really researched Freaked since the Freaked recording. And that was like, what, sometime in September. Okay, okay. So I don't, I don't know. I think it would make some sense, though, for, for them to be like, you know, we want to move on to something bigger and better, like a movie, rather than, you know, whatever this was. Well, they got a better offer, and they ran with it. Definitely, definitely. Uh, it's just, as you know, refer to our Freaked episode for how we think Freak should have turned out <laughs> in terms of notoriety and such. <laughs> it would destroy Alex Winter's career. Exactly. But those same three writers that I mentioned, they are pretty much the stars of this as well. Uh, of course, we get to see some other people. Um, I think that Zach is going to absolutely love this, that we have a voice acting highlight from one of the kids in this show. Uh, the Huggins family. That, oh, yes. that's That sketch, the little kid, the one who um, says he siphoned all the blood out of the dog for fun. <laughs> that kid is the voice of Stoop Kid from Hey Arnold. Talk about oh, a really? Throw- yeah, talk about a throwback, right? Stoop Kid can't leave his stoop. Oh, is that the same? You mean the, the son in the Huggins? Yes, the little boy. Yeah, that's uh, the kid from Terminator 2. That's uh, John Connor's friend. Ah, okay, okay. Zach is reading right off of my notes, it seems. (laughs) 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 I had to go with the voice acting one first. No, but of course, we have Alex Winter as well. Uh, Tom Tom Stern is uh, Lockjaw in the Idiot Box. We're going to have to talk (laughs) about that sketch. I love that one. But he is, of course, the Milkman in Freaked. Uh, the one who gets beat up and is, you know, as uh, his outfit stolen originally. Uh, but he was also the co-director of Freaked, so, you know, they moved on to that. And then the other one, Tim Burns, was um, the hideous frogman. So they oh. all got, yeah, they all got their uh, their roles in Freaked when they moved on to this bigger and better thing. And uh, supposedly that's why we have no more of the idiot box, but hey, I love what we got, so I'll take it. <laughs> So I want to talk about the structure next. As I already mentioned, it's really rigid. I'm sure you picked up on this as well, Zach. Even though the files on YouTube and as we have them are a little disjointed where some episodes have a a part one and part two thing, um, every single episode basically has seven chunks. The first one is always Alex Winter giving an introduction. The last one is always Alex Winter giving a conclusion. And the one prior to the conclusion is always Votar. The remainders are actual sketches or fake commercials, very much like Machismo was from Freaked, which, you know, is probably my favorite fake commercial out of all of these. Um, but it, it's I want to I want to ask you, Zach, what you thought about this structure, specifically with Votar. Votar, who's self-described as the future of television and announcing, gives us a recap of the sketches we saw in the last half hour, if we were watching this on MTV. When we watch these without the videos, and it only lasts, you know, 
10 minutes before we see Votar. It's almost nauseating, right, to see a recap so soon. Like, it's annoying, I think. What, what were your thoughts on that? The whole idea of the idiot box is it's bumpers. It's bumpers to wrap around the music video. It's kind yes. of like what Beavis and Butthead were, except they weren't sketch comedy. But no, I like the I like this as a concept. But Votar obviously is also a uh, a parody of what Max Headroom. Yes, very Max Headroom esque. Yep. And I think it's clever because if you were watching TV and you came in at the tail end, you know what you missed. So if if you were trying to catch, I don't know if, how pe- I don't know if people watch TV as religiously or had to be in the know about everything then as we are now. But it was a good way to kind of keep tabs and like, oh, I missed this one. Or, oh, wait, maybe next time Mrs. I can catch it. It was a nice, it's a nice uh, way to wrap it up. Okay. That, see, that makes some sense. That's better than what we have today on TV, right? Where it's like, you'll watch the little bit of the show, you'll watch three minutes of the show, and then there'll be a minute of, here's what's coming next, and then a commercial break, and then 30 <laughs> seconds of recap, and then more of the show. Mm. Oh, okay, so the, okay, I get behind that. I guess I was just very much, or, you know, the only way I've seen this, of course, is is in this form without the music videos, and I've always just been like, okay, Votar, you're, you're literally telling me what I just watched, you know, <laughs> one to nine minutes ago. <laughs> it, yeah, it, he- it grates on me. <laughs> but Voltar never knew what was going to become of the show, and that would be watched on a, a digital video platforming site. So, exactly, yeah, they were never prepared for where Votar was going to go. I will say though that in some of the later episodes, um, before Votar gives the recap, he does say some other like unrelated things, and some of them are like lines from music of the era. So I think oh. I think there's like some tie tie in to. Maybe the music videos that we possibly could have seen and stuff like that, um, but but I don't know for sure because it's only some of them. It's not like really consistent or anything like that. But there's something there. <laughs> so Votar, we can skip. I don't think unless you have anything grand to say about Votar, Zach. There's there's nothing really there. I would say after after that, knowing what he is. <laughs> yeah, Votar's a little off-putting, but I think it, he's intentionally designed to be off-putting. Okay. Okay. So then uh, I guess we have to talk about the intro and the conclusion because each, like we said, every time we get that start and finish of Alex Winter doing something crazy and talking about the show, slightly introducing it, you know, in like the second episode with the gods and God's mighty anvil thing. Um, But this this was fairly interesting, I thought, because this is the thing, maybe the only thing out of this that really latches it onto what I would say you know, modern sketch comedy is, is the intro and the outro where we have our hosts or our, our team of people, you know, introducing and, and leaving us with a goodbye at the end of the show. Um, I, I never really, you know, super enjoyed the introductions. I think the other sketches are really the, the meat of this show, but it's, it's just kind of like interesting and almost something that was necessary for that time. Like I'm thinking the early nineties, maybe 91, Zach, you can, you know, this is what I'm looking for, your clarification on this. But is this something that they almost would have, MTV would have almost required? It'd be like, we need some kind of anchor between this show and the audience. It can't just be crazy commercials, like the headache guy screaming and stuff like that, without any any preface. It's funny you mention that about sketch comedy having, it's, it's uh, like an introduction. You're right, a lot of sketch comedy does do that. But at the same time, there is a lot of reoccurring characters and gags like this. Like you said, Lockjaw, Eddie the Flying Gimp, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting in that a lot of other sketch comedy shows, yes, like SNL had had its normal characters, but something like Chappelle's show, very rarely did he ever go back to the same characters. Mm. It was all like, yes, he had some ones like Tyrone, the, Tyrone Biggums, <laughs> Tyrone Biggums, and, but. Uh, no, I think the idea of having it begin was maybe a way to differentiate it from just like the normal programming on MTV. Oh, okay. a little bit like okay, instead, like yes, you can always put bumpers in anywhere. But like I know even today, like the only example I can think of of bumpers, I think Adult Swim still does it, where they I, they they have weird little vignettes. Sometimes they're like Rick and Morty themed. Sometimes they're just weird crap. Oh yeah, sure. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I think there's a difference between I think the introduction eh, introducing it makes it different. Is it, is there some sort of again much like this whole uh, Fort Month on Cinematis? It provides structure to it. It makes it its own like gives it its own identity. It's not just random little vignettes, especially mm-hmm. especially back in the '90s where you just couldn't just go on social media and be like, "Yo, dog, what's the deal with the thing that happens before the music video, son?" You don't have that. You don't have that sort of accessibility then. So you have to be like, wait, yeah. wait, what is this? And you'd have to hope the audience surmises that there is something. To, they're all interconnected. But by giving it that bookend structure with Alex Winner and then Venmo or whatever the hell his name is. Votar. Votar, close enough. Uh, I wish I, it was Venmo. Venmo, yes. <laughs> it explains some things. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it does. It gives it its structure. Plus, it makes it a little bit more identifiable. And it gives it its own identity for Al- what Alex Winner and his cohorts were doing. You know what? That's a really interesting point you bring up. That's something I didn't think of. Um, was those bumpers on Adult Swim. Because some of those bumpers, you're absolutely right. They're they're almost they're, they're one shots. The the ones that I've seen, you know, it's like they're not part of a show prior. Yeah, they've done the Rick and Morty ones, and it's like maybe okay, that's related to that show. But some of them are. I know Adult Swim. They did that thing where I think they commissioned like eight artists to like draw animated music videos, like two famous songs or songs that you know Adult Swim picked, and they played those as bumpers. And they're not related to anything else. They're just like a one shot of. Someone drawing, you know, trippy abstract art to like a Dan Deacon song or something like that. And I think that is something I should have thought about because why isn't that considered sketch comedy? Just because it doesn't have this intro and this outro? You're right that it gives the structure that makes it so we can say, oh, the idiot box. This is what it is. It's encapsulated by these bookends. We know what one episode is where we can't really say that about the adult swim bumpers and stuff like that, right? There you go. It's almost like someone's Adult Swim's just spilling them on the floor, and we have to get lucky enough to see them. Like uh, what? Too many cooks, right? You gotta get lucky enough to see it when it airs. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. By giving it structure, it gives it, it give it, yeah, it gives it its, it gives it its own identity. Okay, okay. Whereas I like that. Regu- instead, of just a little again, random vignettes. Absolutely, absolutely. See, now I'm tempted to say, how can we work in the random vignettes to this series as a bonus episode? Oh, no. I'm going to send Zach like 200 separate files, each your home, no more than a minute long. (laughs) Uh. Oh, man. Okay, okay. So right on, right on. So with our our intros and outros, and then I think the next place I want to go really would be, let's, let's talk about the actual meat of the idiot box, what we get to see in some sketches and stuff like that. Um, the intro and the outros are the ones that are, you know, different. It's always Alex Winter talking to us, like I said, doing something crazy. Uh, what's the first one? He's yeah, he's uh, stuck in a mobster, or the back of a mobster's car, and gets stabbed a bunch. Uh, there's the one with Sinead O'Connor. He's trying to what kidnap or go to Cat 
step. Well, he's holding a <laughs> yeah. bowl and a mallet in front of a cat. And he calls the cat Yarbles. And I, Yarbles is, like, I always know Yarbles is the the word for testicles in A Clockwork Orange. I don't know if Zach remembers that, but that's what they oh, call Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yarbles. So that's what he calls the cat. I forgot about that. Yeah, and there's the one where he drowns, I think, in the last episode. But, so, I guess oh, I want to... Yeah, playing Diver Dan, yeah. Uh, so I guess I want to throw it over to Zach to say, well, you know, you watched it all, I think. I don't know how many times you had to interrupt and, and throw on, you know, Dead Alive or Death Wish or anything like that. Um, but uh, what do you think? What do you think about the Idiot Box? Because I think as we've established, you have not known about this prior to really me bringing it up for this discussion, right? I did not, Rob. I did not. So what do you think for this little bit over an hour of what we have of this sketch comedy show, you know, minus Votar? <laughs> did you have a good time? <laughs> I did, Rob. I enjoyed this for the most part. I enjoyed most of the sketches. Some of them, again, they're not all gems, but I love Eddie the Flying Gimp, that being my favorite of them all. I loved Lockjaw. Lockjaw was great. Some of the, like, I love the one with Alex Winter in the pool at the end where he's just kind of sitting there. <laughs> I, I like that. Uh, yeah. the, the one I, I don't like the convenience store clerk guy. I didn't like him. Oh, Willard Shrek. That's I did not name. like. I did not like Willard Shrek. I didn't like those. The burrowing priest. Oh, the burrowing bishop. The burrowing bishop did not like that one. Uh, no, but I, overall, I enjoyed this. It, it's it's weird. It has that very distinct '90s flair. One mm-hmm. thing I we haven't mentioned is the the intro itself, like the animation, the graphic. I oh, think that's, that's great. Good point. Point. It's, it's very, very much like our, our freaked opening credits. Yes, it's also a very uh, Crash Box esque. Mm, if I remember yep. Crash Box from HBO. Oh, absolutely. When are we going to do that series? <laughs> oh my god, that, that's a scary show. That is. We're going to do word scary. games with each other, Zach. <laughs> that, that is a scary ass show. But we'll, we we might have to get into that eventually. There's there's a, there's an informational children's series just begging to be made. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I overall I enjoyed this. Like I can't, like, like any sort of Rob's choice, I go in kind of gritting my teeth, being like, "Oh no, yes. oh no." <laughs> and this was definitely one of the more pleasant ones. Right on. I figured, uh, well, maybe not figured. I was guessing that you were going to uh, enjoy this to some extent because of how similar the the comedy is to Freaked. I would say, sure, Freaked maybe has some. Well, they both have their their uniqueness. Absolutely, they're not a complete overlap, but. Uh, you know, if if you enjoy the freak humor, you're going to enjoy this humor, and vice versa, right? Well, freak is a much more refined version of this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But but the, still, I think the 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 fundamentals, the foundation, is there because you know it's it's their style. Well, it's been yes, and a lot of this stuff doesn't get a lot of it doesn't have enough time to get off the ground. Mm. It's meant to be so short. Again, like you said, it's thirty to sixty seconds long. So a lot of times you're like, okay, if you're not laughing in the first, I, I know we're not supposed to judge this by how much you laughed, but uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> but it's kind of the idea of like, okay, if I didn't laugh twenty seconds into this, chances are I'm not going to laugh for the remaining forty seconds. Yeah, no, that that's that's a reasonable way to put it because um, maybe if we take away the laughter and say if you're not hooked in the first few seconds, you're not going to be hooked for the rest of it. Because I do have to agree with you. I guess we'll start there. My least favorite sketch from all of this is the burrowing bishop, and that comes up like three times. There's like three burrowing bishop sketches. Yeah, and you're and you're so right because it's like. You know, you see the first one, it's it's crazy nonsense is going on, and then there's like the drop that you realize that the burrowing bishop can spin around and burrow in the ground, and that's like how he gets stuff done. And it's just like, eh, you know, <laughs> there's nothing really there. 
I, I'm more intrigued by the fact that, you know, th- this team of writers was like, okay, burrowing bishop. It's a bishop that can burrow into the ground. Who's his sidekick? A clown that's going to be, like, smoking all the time with a nun or something like that. I'm more interested in that aspect of it, but there's nothing really to it, you know? It's like, oh, I have to sit here and another minute of watching him, you know, what he he burrows to get some uh, escaped convicts or something like that. Or he burrows into a well to save a kid but saves the wrong kid or something like that. Yeah. Oh. And, and it's just like, okay, you know, th- this didn't have to go on as long as it did. There's something that, you know, maybe they saw in it that we aren't getting. And I think the same thing goes for the Willard Shrek, the convenience store sketches. While I I absolutely love Alex Winter's performance as Willard Shrek, he's like constantly coughing and, and twitching. I'm bored! May as well eat some more beef sticks and caffeine pills! It, it is, it, it's slow, almost. For, for And it's weird to say for an 11-minute rapper for music videos that they can have slow sketches, right? Yeah, but I, I think we also have to look at it under the lens, too, is that, like, what was, what was comedy like in this time? Because as I was watching the Willard Shrek things, I'm like, wow, this is very reminiscent of Kevin Smith's Clerks. Oh, absolutely. And, and then I'm like, wait, that didn't come out for another, like, four to five years. Yeah, yep. And I'm like, did Kevin, and that's another thing, like, we talked about with Freak. I think a lot of this has influenced the culture. And I couldn't help watch this and be like, and especially that, like Rob said, the reason why this is the first thing we're discussing. But even as I was, wa- as I was watching it too, this felt very reminiscent. Eh, maybe I'll get into that a little bit later on. But going back to Willard Shrek, it's the idea of like, you do have, it's like anything in life. You have highs and lows. Not everything can be firing on all cylinders all the time. And when that does happen, it's called Chappelle Show. And. <laughs> I really like Chappelle's show, folks. That's that. That's when you have me actively engaged. Like I have like eight episodes. Seven of those is gonna be me, kind of like comatose. But <laughs> but here we are. But no, like Will Shrek, though. I had to, like as I was watching it, I was trying to discern like what like was there something in like late '80s, early '90s culture that would have made that more appealing? Like you have a kind of this. I don't want to say like a bum that I don't know if he's a bum, but he's kind of like he's a slob. Yeah, yeah. He, he's beef jerky and caffeine pills, and it's very <laughs> has very like loud gastrointestinal sounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's that's the bit, that's it. And like we said, if you're not on board with that in the first ten seconds, you're not going to like Willard Shrek as a character. Yeah. And a lot of times, it's not just him. Like you figure, oh, maybe he'll interact with the customers, and he does that occasionally. But most of the time, it's just him kind of like mumbling while the camera records him with him being unaware of it. Yeah, I have to say that. Out of all, I think there's three, maybe four Willard Shrek sketches. I can understand maybe only 40% of the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's only when he's screaming about beef sticks and caffeine pills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, 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 that's, his, that's his calling card. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also that's those two are the ones that I kind of didn't resonate with me because it's really, it's. I wonder if it's again. This is the kind of the problem with looking at a lot of this, and it's gonna be a thing that we look at like years from now with any type of entertainment, especially comedy, considering how subjective it is. Is that like, oh, is this just not funny to me, 
or was it something you kind of had to be in the mindset of like a 14 year old at the time of this mm-hmm. being on the air? Like, is this, is this not funny? Cause I'm watching it like on a Thursday at like 10 AM or is it not <laughs> funny because I'm not watching it at the correct time at like 10 30 at night on a Friday night after going to the bowling alley in 1991. Exactly. Because exactly. I, and plus the, the context of this too is is I think about like when this was getting made, there was nothing quite like this at the time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. This, this is very adult swim-esque humor. And once again, we can't help but say how this influenced the culture going forward, considering that again, this was kind of also the birth of cable in the mm-hmm. sense like when cable became more widespread available at this time to for many millions of households. And that's that's the thing. I, I, a lot of this was trying to discern what what it is you're trying to get at. And like Rob said, there's not unfortunately there's not a lot of commentary on this because like Freaked is a cult classic on a good day. Yeah. In the idiot box is uh uh I don't even know what to describe. I, I, what would you even classify this as in the sense of uh in a realm of questionable existence. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> there you go, folks. <laughs> like I don't even know what to call this. Like, like even like even beyond that, it's like, like again, like we were kind of describing it's sketch comedy, but at the same time, it's not even like a full length broadcast. It's just it's vignettes. Yes. yes. And unfortunately, even as I was like, I even went on IMDb and looked at some of the reviews for this. It was like maybe two or three reviews, and that's it. Yeah, it's pretty lacking the IMDb uh, section for this this show. Definitely. Yeah. And that's the problem too. Is it's on YouTube, so nobody obviously we we define numerous times. If it's on YouTube, that means nobody cares about it. Yep, yep. Except us. (laughs) Except for us. Indeed. But yeah, Willard Shrek. Willard Shrek's uh, he's an interesting case. But I wish there was a little bit more. uh, Alex Winter needs to do a commentary on all this. Maybe he'll do that for like promotion for like Bill and Ted Three. Yeah. Yeah, Willard Shrek will come back into play when we talk about our snacks, of course, with the beef sticks and the caffeine pills. Uh, but yeah, so okay, we're in agreement that those were the the two um, the ones that didn't really stick. Those at least the, of the recurring sketches. Um, I know. So you said you loved Lockjaw. Lockjaw's fantastic. Lockjaw's good. I, I, I ever since I first saw that, you know, Lockjaw has just always been you know right up my alley with my type of humor. <laughs> Well, it's funny because like it has like I love it when you set like when you set up. It's funny. This is a uh, uh, oh god like a a string of vignettes. Yet we have an intro to Lockjaw every single time he comes on the screen. Yes, <laughs> when he gets tetanus. Yes. <laughs> Once he was a cop so tough he never even had to pull his trigger. Where's your dead punk? <laughs> and yet, so suave, the most stunning woman in the world fell at his feet. Then, he stepped on a rusty nail. And now, they call him... Lockjaw. Lockjaw. Ah! What did that guy say? I think he said, run for your life! Ah! Lockjaw. He's one tough cop who never got a tetanus shot. Uh, yeah, like Lockjaw. Lockjaw is one of those ones that like, you watch the first time, in, in like as an individual sketch, it's like, eh, like, oh, okay, like this is the joke. And then the more and more it goes on, and you get more and more of this character in different sketches, you're like, oh, this is a funny. This is a great premise. The yeah. idea of somebody with with Lockjaw, and they're going through all these different, just kind of, oh god, I don't want to say boring, but kind of just 
nothing to really get excited about premise premises. Exactly. It's like, oh, okay, like like the after school special. <laughs> <laughs> what do I say to the gang when they try and recruit me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that they they play to their advantage with the fact that it's recurring and they, they almost play on that and it's it's done uh, cleverly where you know I think the first time we see Lockjaw is they have his intro, and then it's like him at the bar, and he's trying to drink alcohol, but he can't drink because his mouth is wide open, so it just pours out, and the bartender gets mad at him. And and then, you know, God's Mighty Anvil hits the bartender, and that's the end of that sketch. And then there's the one that we already described with the um, the after-school special. But then there's the one where it's it's they, like, know what they're doing. We get the intro, and it's so quick. Because it's like in this week's episode, Lockjaw encounters the Duchess again. And the, he's like trying to kiss the woman, but his mouth is wide open and she vomits. And that's the end of the episode. Like, like they know how to play with the length and they know how to time that, that joke right with a character we already know and love. It's, it's, it's perfect for something so short. I wouldn't say love. I'd say we know it. This established. Oh, you don't love Lockjaw? <laughs> no, I don't like, I don't love Lockjaw. But... <laughs> Yes, you're right. There is the idea because, because again, you, what you do is you're playing with the expectations of your audience. Because the whole like nine tenths of comedy is pulling the rug out from underneath your audience right before they figure it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what it's like. You have Lockjaw. You, you introduce Lockjaw through his intro. You set up the premise of what he's trying to do, like. What sort of just okay? I don't want, okay, there's a word for it. I just can't think of it. Boring setup. And then it's like, okay, how do you get to have a, the lockjaw spin on that? And like you said, we have the first one at the bar, the second one with the kid, the after-school special, then the third one with the woman. And it's like, okay, you're expecting some something with him with the. Nah, nah, nah. Then you cut out, you cut that, not that you cut it out, but you cut out the overall what you're expecting, which is that. Yeah. Like, okay, next bit. Yep. Yep. It's great. <laughs> it's great. All right. Yeah, lockjaw. I wish we saw more lockjaw. Maybe he should get his own show one day. <laughs> Uh, but then, of course, we have to talk about Eddie the Flying Gimp from yeah. Outer Space. Because in this episode of Cinemodities, the Flying Gimp has not yet been destroyed. As we are told by the first line of Freak, all the way back in Freaked, we get our great intro of the stop-motion crazy claymation stuff with our Butthole Surfer song. And then, you know, right before it goes back to the Sky Daily show, we get like a, like a, a maybe not a warning symbol, but it's like a, an attention on the TV. And it says, we repeat, the flying gimp has been destroyed. You may return to your homes. And then the movie happens. So I, I think this is a direct reference because it's what oh. other flying gimp we going to have than Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found that online. And I thought that was funny. I'm like, oh, I, I don't remember that moment from the movie, but I think it's a clever tie in. Absolutely. And it's interesting because since I saw Freaked prior to seeing The Idiot Box, I always thought that Eddie, or the Flying Gimp as we just knew him, was a terror. But Eddie, Eddie seems to be generally enjoyed by his, uh, his people around him, especially when he goes back in time and makes sure the parents don't see him breaking the kids' legs. <laughs> <laughs> Which that was that was one of the best parts of this. I I, I love. I wish there was more of that later in the 
what do you want to call this series? I wish there was more of Eddie because he kind of disappears. What? Like, what's the last Eddie episode? It's like the third or fourth episode because I don't think he's in the last two. No, he's not. I was kind of disappointed that we wouldn't see more of him. No, the best, like you said, the kid, the kid jumping out the window. That's the best. And like, he can go back in time. He doesn't stop the kid. He stops the parents from. <laughs> yeah, from seeing the kid break that's, his legs. Oh, that's yeah. that's that's because that's, that's funny comedy. It's like, oh, okay, the kid tries to imitate Eddie, breaks his legs. The parents blame Eddie, so Eddie. Can can somehow go back in time and he does it just so he doesn't get in trouble for it doesn't stop the event from happening but yeah it really great. is that that's like that is like one of the i think in this this whole show the idiot box all six episodes all hour of it that's like one of the the best nuggets of actual you know set up set up payoff joke type of thing because i remember the first time i saw that when he goes back in time and, and it, you're kind of like we said you know you pull the rug out from under us right before we know about it it's perfect. It's just set up so well. It's fantastic. Yeah, and I think it's one of the probably one of the longer sketches in this too. Yeah, yeah. I even like the um the other Eddie ones. Uh, that I think the first time we see Eddie is when it's the school bully. It's where the kids like the kid comes home from school and he has a black eye and it's like, oh, the bully took my lunch money today. And the the mother says something to the husband like, oh, you should deal with this husband. And the husband takes off his glasses and he has a black eye as well. And he's like, I already tried to deal with it. The bully got me too. And it's like stuff like that is fantastic. And then, you know, Eddie goes and wrecks the bully. (laughs) Well, that's the thing too, is that like having that sort of comedy in this where it's like, oh, the father's going to intervene and the father also got bullied. It's like, oh, that's a, like nowadays people would see that like, oh, that's a family guy joke. Exactly. That's 100% or, what or I was Homer thinking. Simpson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's another aspect of this. I wonder how much of, and again, who knows too, like you said, maybe they were pulling from the Tracy Ullman show, which was prior to any of this. Yeah. Like I said, we're not saying the idiot, bo- idiot box is the, is the uh, foundation of sketch comedy, far from it. Just but for this fort month. <laughs> Just for this fort month. But there is a lot of irreverence here that wasn't present in the culture. Or if it was, it was on it was definitely a fringe thing. Yes, yes. Right on. I guess we just say nineties is like the birth of irreverence in like mainstream culture. Yeah, yeah. I think we've I think we've briefly touched on that concept before on cinemodities, right? Yes. And now irreverence is everywhere in the culture. Oh, it's yeah. ubiqu- it's ubiquitous. Everybody, everything, everything everybody does is you is irreverent. Yeah. Now, if you're not irreverent or incredibly meta, and you're not if you're not breaking the fourth wall, no one cares about you. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh God. Because isn't there? I'm not sure if it was this I was watching. No, it wasn't this. But uh, yeah, it's the idea that these sort of things were were novel concepts in the early '90s. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was the, the kind of the first time something like this was shown off in such a fashion. Yeah, and I think, or, or it was presented to main, like, to, I think what, MTV was pretty mainstream at that time. Mm-hmm, or, or mm-hmm. Let me, okay, let me say that. It was counterculture mainstream. Sure. Like, like again, for the, like, I don't know, what, what, what channels did, like, I don't want to say conservative because that's not the right word. But, like, <laughs> what, what was kind of, like, I guess the, like, what, what was the average teenager watching in 1991? Jeez, I have no idea. The only thing I, I watched in the '90s was Nickelodeon. <laughs> well, well, again, because well, we weren't born. But I mean, yeah. like, let's say, let's say you're 13 in 1991. So you're born in like 1977 mm-hmm. or 1978. So what were you watching at this time? Like, I guess yeah. you would be watching MTV. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, I, I really don't know. That's the only thing I think I'm aware of from that time. 
It's like main, I guess I guess it is like mainstream counterculture. It's like nowadays, like like twenty years ago, if you were like eighteen and had a tattoo, you were like radical. Now you like walk in, like everybody like over the age of like seventeen has like an entire sleeve of tattoos. Yeah. It's it, yeah. it's it's mainstream counterculture. Mm-hmm. Def- I think that's a good way to describe it. Absolutely. And that's where this was kind of like, yes, you had I guess Beavis and Butthead didn't start until what later? I I think so. I think that was ninety three. Yeah. She had a couple of years until that would sit there get off the ground. Yeah. And obviously that was much more popular than this ever was. <laughs> what? <laughs> unfortunate, unfortunate reality of the situation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm looking for from you, Zach. We need that bigger picture, because I have no idea what happened before I was born. You know somehow. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Look into my crystal ball. Yes. No, what other, um, I think the next, the only other big recurring sketch that we had on the idiot box was the Huggins family. I think yeah, we got three Huggins of those. Family. Yeah. And the Huggins family is all right. I think the, the Huggins family I'm more interested in by the fact that they do some, you know, gory shit or, you know, more <laughs> vulgar shit with like, like with the, like the son confessing that he siphoned the blood out of the dog for fun. And then the whole family's like, we don't agree with what you did, but we're glad you told the truth. And they all <laughs> hug and that type of thing. <laughs> Tonight, Jared shares a secret with his parents. Mom, Dad, it was me. I was the one who siphoned the blood out of the dog. (gasps) But why? I don't know. For fun, I guess. (laughs) Listen, Jared. What you did to the dog was wrong. Very wrong. But what you did just now took a lot of courage. You mean you don't hate me for it? Hate you. Come here. But that, but this was kind of like revolutionary comedy at that time because you have this again. It's a parody of Full House, Family yes. Matters. It's, it's it's of that sort of like schmaltz, and you have it be very perverted. And that was kind of unheard of at the time. Like that oh, wasn't yeah. really a thing. And again, this is not to compare it to today's culture, but you didn't like couldn't go on YouTube. Like if your parents are like very conservative and strict mm-hmm. by the book, you can't like much like men, women, and children, you can't put on your pink wig and take pictures of yourself and put it on Tumblr when <laughs> Jennifer Garner, your mother, is monitoring your web traffic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, you didn't have that in 1991. So, like having something like that air, and that's where I'd be again fascinated into what time slots MTV put this on. Mm-hmm. Because I would imagine it didn't air at 11 in the morning, so it probably was like in the same vein as like a Adult Swim, where it probably aired from like 11 to 4 a.m. Yeah, I was. I, I think I like at the start of this, I mentioned I was really trying to find that info, like go back and like you know find some old TV guide clippings or something, but I no luck. Rob reaches out to Alex Winter, and it's like a like like a, a three thirty page dissertation about the rules of how coming on the podcast. <laughs> this is the structure. See, I was going to say we we contact him and try and get him on the podcast to discuss one of his documentaries, like the Panama Papers or something. But then we only ask him about this and freaked. <laughs> <laughs> we blindside him with his uh, nonsense filmmaking. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, the sad thing is, I don't think he'd be against that because, like, anybody who like wants Alex Winter would be like, "Tell us about Bill and Ted 3. Mm. And I think he's so tired of being like, "I have no control over this." They either write the script or they don't. They call me when they have a script. That's it. I have no other role in this. Okay. I think if you asked him about like Freaked in the Idiot Box, I think he'd be much more willing to talk about that because I think he would figure most people just know him now is is uh, what Bill. 
Yeah. Rob Preston. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny. Rob, Rob and I see Alex Winter, and like I would imagine ninety nine point nine percent of people who can recognize him would be like, "Oh, Bill and Ted." We look at him like freaked. Freaked. <laughs> but Ricky, that's Ricky the Coogan. <laughs> oh man. I'm glad that wasn't our plane. Oh, freaked. Freaked. Let's do another episode on that. <laughs> That'll become hey, the yearly if, episode. If, yeah, if we get Alex Winters on Alex Winter on, we'll do uh freaked and the idiot box again. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Yeah, so the Huggins, yeah, you, that's a good point you bring up about the Huggins, them not, you know, having such a maybe vulgar or grotesque type of because we do get the sketch from the Huggins where they're all like fighting, like the husband comes home drunk. And they're like, he's like beating the woman, and he's like, if I have to hug you again, I'm gonna kill everybody, you know, that type of thing. But that's so, the yeah. thing, because that's how I was watching it. That, that's another, like, God, Family Guy has used that trope so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, exactly. or that joke. And yet, at this time, this was probably something you never saw. Like, yeah. uh, especially yeah. on television. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, the idiot box. So what do but, we have for the one-off sketches? Because I know there's some. Were there any of the one-off sketches you wanted to highlight? Because I know there's definitely some that I absolutely loved. <laughs> uh, I, I, if you refresh my memory, probably. But there's none that stick up, stick up at the top of my sure. head. Sure. Uh, the first episode, I think it's the actual first sketch we get of the whole series. It's after uh, our first introduction. And it's uh, the commercial for headache drugs, where the guy uh, is... Mr. McPhee, do you have a headache? Yes. One of these pain-killing tablets has the power it takes. To please, will you, can you shut up? Please, you're driving me crazy. Just leave me alone, please. But Mr. McPhee, will you shut up? If you'll just no, will shut up? Now can't you see that I am in severe pain? Please, Mr. McPhee, just try these tablets. Shut up! You shut up! You're driving me crazy. This is oh my god. Oh my god, McPhee. Please, Mr. McPhee. I got pain. But Mr. McPhee, one of these pain. Please, please. The ABC pill bottles, and he's like, you know, th- he's like, we're gonna do a blind test for this headache drug, and and then the the joke is that the guy that they're interviewing has such a bad headache that he's screaming, and he eventually what flips the table over and he runs into the studio and like knocks over a camera. Yeah, he punches the 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 the, the actor that's playing the doctor. Yes, it's beautiful. That's 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 perfect. That's what I want. A nice little fake commercial where the guy they're trying to test with the headache is too bad of a headache. And you have to love also that the the headache guy, I think Mr. McPhee, they call him in the commercial. He's he plays Mr. McPhee in a few other roles throughout the Idiot Box, but it's Lee Arenberg who is the Eternal Flame from Freaked. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the guy whose mutant freaked power is that he can you know blow fire out of his ass constantly. <laughs> I didn't know that. What a step up, right? <laughs> <laughs> that guy's love- going places. Absolutely. I love the the headache. Uh, I love that sketch. Um, I re- oh, first episode as well, I really do like the rock accountant, like the accountant for the rock bands, where he's like saying really basic things, 
but he's like it's he calling the metal and stuff like that like he's like, I'm sending a fax but it's hardcore that type of thing that you know I think that uh, is a prelude to a, a ton of comedy that we get to see more in the modern age where it's like you know oh we're going to take something really mundane and ramp it up because he's working with rock and rollers or something like that um oh one of my favorite sketches I think is the very late movie damn these eyes where the scientists the, like he gets afflicted by something and his he has the dotted lines come out of his eyes pointing oh, at what yeah. he's looking at. That's great. That is 100% Rob humor right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, I, I, I had to bring up, I wanted to know what, Zach, what you thought about Rain Man 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, yeah. Rain Man is a genius on the dance floor. <laughs> I, uh, I, don't, I remember that as a sketch, but I don't remember that much about it. That's I remember laughing at that the idea that even then they were making fun of the uh, the subtitle yeah. electric Google. I found that into, again a lot of I found some of this more as an extra oh god as a study into what pop culture would eventually morph into. I think that's that's how I look at this more than comedy. I think I think really you know that's that's kind of the primary lens we should focus it on because you know as as I do want to get into but I think we kind of touched on it already. I think this does have influence into today's comedy and sketch comedy. But I, I feel like it's almost a silent influencer or a hindered influencer because of it being so short and it being a rapper for music videos. But you're, but it's it's undeniable that when we see things, you know, back from this 1990, 1991 show, that it's like, oh my god, this is so commonplace now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, like, obviously, again, it's one of those things that nobody saw, so you can steal from it, and no one will know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I when I rewatched this for um, when I was picking sketch comedy for Zach to watch. And I got to this, and I and I saw the Rain Man two Electric Boogaloo. Like I totally forgot about Electric Boogaloo in the title. I was like sold. Got to <laughs> talk about this. Zach's gonna love it. <laughs> yeah, that was a great one-off sketch. Um, I I think that the gist of it is like Alex Winter is dressed up as Rain Man, you know Dustin Hoffman, and he's like in the dance floor, and as he's dancing, he's saying something like you know I dance, I dance real good, I dance real good, and you know he's like doing the whole Rain Man bit type of thing. Dustin Hoffman returns, and the dance floor will never be the same. Rain Man 2, Electric Boogaloo. I'm an excellent dancer. Definitely an excellent dancer. Five minutes to what? Uh-oh, five. I did want to know what you thought about the Sinead O'Connor episode. (laughs) Like I said, I want to know if this was before or after she ripped the picture of the Pope in half. Okay, good question. Good question. I don't know. We might have to do an update on that one. I'm not the biggest fan of the Sinead O'Connor episode. I don't think I'm the biggest fan of Sinead O'Connor in general. (laughs) Um, But I I would say my, my favorite part about that episode is the conclusion because in the intro, Sinead O'Connor, well, Alex Winter has a puppet of Sinead O'Connor, oh, first yeah. of all. And then he's like beating it up. And then the real Sinead O'Connor comes in and starts beating Alex Winter up. And the conclusion is like it picks back up with her beating Alex Winter up. And Alex Winter like distracts her from getting beaten up by saying, oh, you're growing a hair. And Sinead O'Connor busts out like clippers and starts to shave her head. And I was like, that's a solid Sinead O'Connor joke. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Like, no, that was like when I first saw her, I'm like, wait, is that Sinead O'Connor? And I'm like, oh, yeah, early 90s. She was a big thing then. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that probably was a pretty big get for him at the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, uh, I I guess, I, 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 that show got better over time because I know she shows up what, a few times in that episode. Yeah, she's she's in one of the um, she's in like the one of the bits which is like Sinead O'Connor's comedy special where Alex Winter is dressed up as a bald old man and they're telling jokes like next to each other. <laughs> it's bonkers. Yeah, some of that. <laughs> yeah, so like I said that that got that's something that got better. The, the more reoccurring times that would show up, it got a little bit better. But like no, as a that's something I've got to say about this is that like if you were like were to put MTV on like hoping to find like like a music video you were hoping like that you really liked and you only caught like one of these, I wonder like what people thought of it in that sense. Like kind of like what happens yeah. if you you cut you came in the middle of it and it's like completely out of context. I guess it I guess it would lead to almost like a curiosity factor. Like later on being like oh. It's like I should check this out again whenever it's on. Yeah, absolutely. I I could see that for sure. Mm. But yeah, the Steve O'Connor said all this. Most of it is member. What's the word? Most of it is pretty interesting and memorable. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it has its high points, but it's the and it has its low points though. But yeah, it's yeah. This is this was it's unique in that sense, and that's why I appreciate about it. But what other one offs were there? Um, so the other one else we have, um, so after the Sinead O'Connor episode, uh, where she was kind of almost the whole one-off, you know, <laughs> um, then we had Mr. Meat in the next episode, which was Mr. Potato Head, but you have parts oh, yeah. to put in raw meat, and then someone chokes on one of the parts that the kids didn't take out before putting the meat back in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Well, the fun thing about that sketch was that that remind which we're going to get to eventually, that was like, that's an Amanda Show sketch. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. like I know they did that a lot on the Amanda show. I remember like, the popcorn pants, the RC yeah, card, the pizza on the top, the fake commercials. Yep, the the uh, the money printer. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's like I, a couple times while I was watching this, I'm like, oh, the Amanda show borrowed from this so heavily. Yep. In a weird way, I'd say the Amanda show is the spiritual successor to the Idiot Box. Ah, see that that's gonna see now. Once we have sketch comedies discussed and done, we get to refer to them. As we get to future sketch comedy, Zach, it's going to be great. Oh, no. It's going to be a big. It's going to oh, be like no. a Pepe Silvia diagram from no. It's Always Sunny. No. <laughs> what did I get myself involved with? Zach's lighting his cigarettes right now. <laughs> so the next one-off that we have is probably my favorite sketch out of the entire Idiot Box series, and it's the Revox Shoes sketch. This is the sketch where they interview people on like a beach. It looks like they're on like a like a, like a pavement where there'd be like a, a workout place or like a, a playground or something prior to getting to the sand on a beach. And this is the one where it just keeps cutting between people and they're talking about something. And you really have no idea what they're discussing because it starts with people like, it's got the pump. It's a gyroscopic function. It's got a pump system. And then they go on and keep saying different crazy stuff like, fact, I got the one with the fax machine. Floppy disk drive and digital readout. It's IBM compatible. And at the very end, it's realized that it is a commercial for Revox shoes with three E's. And these shoes have everything on them. Do you remember this sketch, Zach? I don't. It's a pump. The pump. pump. You know, the pump. I believe it's some type of gyroscopic function. Gyroscope. It's got Dolby, which is cool. Digital readout. Floppy disk drive. A simple gyroscopic pump system. Man, there's a lot of stupid shit on there. Hey, ugly shoes. What ugly shoes? They're IBM compatible. Thesaurus and spell checking function. I blew out the tweeter on the left one. The pump? 
It's got rechargeable batteries. I think it's some kind of pump. I got the ones with the fax machine, man. All I know is the pump. Revog. It all started with a pump. Wireless remote not included. Really? I don't, I don't at all. So it, it's it is unfortunately placed. It's like it's like a thirty second sketch right before the end of one one of the files cuts off and picks up with the burrowing bishop on the next one. Oh, so it is okay. it is unfortunately placed, but it is like this is everything about sketch comedy that I love because you know they have this concept. You know, it pulls the rug out from under you because you have no idea they're talking about shoes unless you know, like, the Reebok commercial that they're making fun of from back in the, you know, late 80s and the 90s. And you don't know it's about shoes. They're talking about all this crazy nonsense. It's so fast-paced. The editing is done perfectly. You even have some old people in there who are like, I only know about the pump. And it's just, it's everything. It's everything, Zach. These shoes... These shoes have the pump, they got a fax machine, they got a floppy disk drive, they got a digital readout, they got Adobe. This show aired before the PDF was even in existence. <laughs> That's how old this is. And they referenced <laughs> Adobe because Photoshop already existed and TrueType, if you remember TrueType. These shoes are IBM compatible, they got thesaurus, they got spell checking functions, they got rechargeable batteries. Someone even says they blew out a tweeter on the left one. Tweeter is what people used to call loudspeakers, man. <laughs> what a time to be alive Why? when you weren't alive. <laughs> I love that sketch, but yeah, it was a it was a shoe parody sketch, and Zach will have to go back and watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to go back. Do you know what episode that was? Uh, it is the last sketch on episode five, part one. Five, part one. Okay. And then yeah. af- after that, we have the Guar sketch in the last episode. Oh, That's our last yeah. one off. The, the Guar yeah. one, the Guar ones, I know that kind of caught in my research for this. That one kind of caught on. Yeah, I think the Guar Guar gets a lot of um, uh, or that sketch gets a lot of notoriety because of Guar. I think. Yeah. I believe I saw. I was at a festival where Guar played once, but I don't think we saw them. <laughs> oh, jeez, you missed out. And and so yeah, I think the only one we didn't discuss, you know, in this hour of an entire series would be Battle of the Bands. Because we get two yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah. But those, those are so short and quick, you know, and it's and it's just like, get it, I, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't care for those. I'm like I, I, like, I get it, but I just don't, it's not my cup of tea. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a play on, you know, the concept of battle of the bands. <laughs> of the bands. All right. Well, Zach, now, since we have discussed the entirety of this series, I want to get into style. And this oh, is something... Boy. This is something that I have very, for a long time, and very frequently thought about sketch comedy, because different sketch comedy shows have their own style. You know, we're going we're gonna to talk about Key and Peele eventually in this series, and that has a very specific style uh, where it's almost like every single sketch is a ramp. And you just, you know, it, it's, it ramps up and gets, you know, gradually crazy, but we're going to discuss that when we get there. Uh, so everything has a style. Some words I'd like to throw around for style in general, not to, for the idiot box yet, Absurd, uh, surreal. I think there's absurd sketch, absurd sketch comedy. I think there's surreal sketch comedy. I think there's the ones that are subversions of perceptions, like you know, pulling the rug out from under you, where a sketch might you know have you think it's going one way, but then switches over completely. So I, I want to get into it since we only have one to discuss so far. Our foundation of sketch comedy, the Idiot Box. I want to start off by saying I have always considered this. For the most part, of course, we can pick out sketches that might deviate from this, but I consider The Idiot Box to be surreal sketch comedy. And when I say surreal sketch comedy, uh, 
I talk about sketches where they drop you into something that you already know is strange. There, there's, nothing, there's no ramp up as to why it's strange. You already know it's going to be strange, and it maintains that level of craziness. For example, The Borrowing Bishop. It starts off where you got a bishop talking in crazy, weird accent, his clown sidekick, and that's just the setup. you got to deal with it. And that's kind of what I consider surreal sketch comedy, or a surreal sketch, I would say, is something that drops you into world, makes you deal with it, and it just maintains that throughout whatever jokes it pitches. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's, would you consider, is that something you think of when you think of surreal, or was there a different word that came to mind, say, when you watched a lot of this and say Eddie the Flying Gimp and the Burrowing Bishop? Was there a different way you describe it? Well, I think we've talked about it <clears throat> a few times on here. And like the idea of surreal to me, it may be more absurd what you're getting at, but how mm -hmm. I see surreal is you need that baseline of relatable or, or I don't want to say relatable, but something people can appreciate or they understand and grasp easily, like Eddie the Flying Gimp or Lockjaw. And like, oh, you know, this, like with Lockjaw, you know, like, oh, you have this tough as nails cop and he's a hard ass that take, doesn't take any nonsense. But what happens when he stops, steps on a rusty nail and it's yeah. really kind of, and you have this really mundane thing happen to him, which kind of turns his world upside down. And it's kind of also like the Huggins. It's like, oh, it's like a, a cute little nuclear family. And what happens when they're really dysfunctional? It's like, and that's, you need that. It's kind of like a, a perversion. Okay. It's like surrealism is that you take that baseline kind of like everyday premise that everybody can kind of appreciate. And you turn it on its head by adding in dysfunctional and absurd elements. Oh, okay. Okay. I could, I could get behind that for sure. Yeah. So so how would you describe maybe something more like a borrowing bishop where you don't have something that's grounded really anywhere? I'd say it's probably just – it's like, I'd say more absurd. The idea of like, oh, we have this bishop that can tunnel underground. He's got a raunchy clown sidekick that's hitting on the nun. And he's – again, he's a raunchy sidekick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's uh, – again, ra I don't want to say it, – it's, it's absurd with raunchy elements. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I like absurd for that. Okay. Okay. Absurd and surreal. Definitely. I think both of those words lend themselves well to the idiot box, right? <laughs> yeah. Because because think about the because uh, the thing about the difference of like the burrowing bishop is that like oh he's like on they film they film those segments like on a green screen what I think is a green screen mm -hmm. and, and it's just three people sitting in front of a green screen whereas again going back to Eddie the Flying Gimp you have. A leave it to beaver house with a leave it to beaver type family then you introduce the element of a flying gimp yes okay I, okay I think I think the idea is with surrealism you're taking a baseline premise and you're injecting absurdity into it mm. but with mm. again burrowing bishop it's just absurdity is just the entire premise yeah yeah absolutely one has absurdism you as a foundation the other one is it's injected into it okay okay right on right on so would you would you consider something similar or an injection uh, in say like the the rock accountant sketch where it's you know kind of he the the person we're watching has a different view of the actual act we're watching you know oh he's he's filing papers he's sharpening pencils to us it's mundane but to the actual character it's it's intense it's hardcore would you consider that something that's you know because that is founded in reality and it's something that you know everybody's aware of office work cubicle workers I should say but it just kind of immediately lifts it up to some you know not quite the borrowing bishop level of craziness but it is it is that kind of you know 
raised platform that we're watching this character on. Uh, I don't know. I think it's 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 the same. It's a very similar style of comedy, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's meant to be. I, I guess you could say again, like I said, everything in the show could be listed as absurd, absurdism type humor. But I don't think there's anything surreal about that. Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree. There's nothing surreal about that either. Yeah, because um, it's like just someone just who's you know in in love with his job type of thing almost. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say it's it's a more of a, a quirky premise. Than it is a uh, against a surreal. Yeah, maybe more of maybe more of something along the lines of like a parody or a sat not sat not satire quite, but a, a lampoon it's a maybe. Yeah. 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 I can okay. Find that. Okay. Right on. Right on. Yeah. This and then so that's something I have to say with um some of the other sketch comedy shows we're going to discuss. I think they are there's some that are very ingrained in their own style. I think we have a lot. It, it's almost all over the place. You know, we just have a, a great. Um, coming together of different ideas to form all these little vignettes that we get uh, for the idiot box. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, Zach, is there anything else you want to say about the idiot box before we get into our real questions? No, I think I've said everything I have to, except for maybe the wrap up at the very end. Okay. 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 Right on. So where would you like to go next? Zach, we got snacks. We got late night. We got cinemodities. What let's, are you thinking? Let's do some cinemodies. We haven't talked about cinemodies in a while, so or cinemodity uh, status. Good point. Good point. So cinemodity status for the idiot box. I'm gonna go with and absolutely. I think this is one of the most unique sketch comedy shows of all time for all of the reasons we discussed. Like I said, I I wish we had those those versions that had the music videos in them still. That'd be really interesting to see. Uh, just because I like music videos too, or at least watching old ones. I feel like I'd be watching the 2002 commercials all over again. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, but no, I think this is absolutely, this is weird. You know, this is um, the only other thing we really have that's close to Freaked. I know Alex Winter did, I think, one other thing prior to this that is really difficult to find. Um, that would probably be in the same, you know, uh, pantheon for me. But I'm going to say absolutely to Cinemodities. This This fits the bill for me. Um, it, it, in terms of hilarity, in terms of intriguingness, it's hundred percent on there. First sketch comedy going on the cinemodities list for Rob. What about you, Zach? Oh yeah. This is a full on cinemodity. There's no question about it. <laughs> right on <laughs> for the aforementioned reasons of this recording, especially Votar, <laughs> especially, <laughs> I think we need to hire Votar. <laughs> oh boy. So what's next? Late night, late night. I uh, I think my note in my 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 comment for late night in my notes sums it up perfectly. Next to late night, I wrote absolutely. It's quick and bite sized and just crazy enough to work. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that sums it up perfectly. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah, this is definitely something that it's it's. Well, the problem though is that I agree with you, but I think too again an uninitiated audience, it'd be like, oh, this is ripping off. Family guy like that's mm. the problem It's so much is borrowed from this Or this is influenced so much in later years Like think about it. this is almost 30 years old now mm-hmm. It's 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 the idea of If you show this to people Would they appreciate it for like The groundbreaking thing that it is Or maybe not groundbreaking More of like the, the novelty that it is For what it was at its yeah. time yeah. That, that it wouldn't just get lost in oh uh, Family guy did this better Or this is just like family guy or like Tim and Eric, because there is a lot. Mm-hmm. Of this is also Tim and Eric. Oh yeah. Or anything on Adult Swim, pretty much. Just pretty much Adult Swim is this now. 
So I, I guess with, with that being said, I do want to mention, some in my research, of course, I was looking at, uh, for this whole fort month of sketch comedy, I was looking at um, entities, you know, websites or, or news outlets that have ranked sketch comedy shows. I'm, I'm interested. I looked into some of those. And this one, out of, I think, the few, maybe six or seven uh, lists that I found, uh, this only showed up on one, The Idiot Box, and it was number 35 out of 40 on Rolling Stone's greatest sketch comedy TV oh, shows of all really? time. really? Back from 2015, yes. And wow. in their little blurb about it, you, I think, you know, we said everything. You know, Zach has even said stuff that I didn't even bring up. They mention Adult Swim, Tim and Eric. They mention Monty Python. They mention Mad Magazine. You know, they mention all this kind of stuff and that we've been getting at with... Uh, they also bring up the Sinead O'Connor comedy special. Apparently the guy who wrote the article for the rank list of Rolling Stone loved that sketch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it's noticeable, the influence that this has and, and where it bleeds over. And you're exactly right, Zach, because if, if we show this to somebody who is familiar with this type of comedy, but from more modern sources, they could get lost in seeing this as almost a ripoff or maybe not a ripoff, but um, a, a lesser version of that type of humor. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous. See, but that's that's a really good point you bring up. I was thinking more along the lines of the quick and bite-sized for me because I know other sketch comedy, like the the 22 to 30-minute long sketch comedy shows that aren't rappers. They're just their shows. I kn- I've had some experiences where people, you know, if they run into a sketch that, you know, if the first sketch doesn't hook them, they're not going to watch the rest of that whole episode. And it's almost like it's not quick enough for the meme culture of today. Like it's, it, it requires oh, yeah. too too much uh, attention span to watch some longer sketch comedy for some people. So that's why I was thinking of the of the um, the quick and bite size, you know, almost ADD style that uh, Idiot Box portrays. The thing too is, I think like uh, Idiot Box because it's so short, kind of demands that you view all of it. You can't just put on one episode of the Idiot Box and be like, okay, moving on to. <laughs> You can't do that. It's yeah, so short; yeah. it, kind of, it demands it be viewed in its entirety because of how how small it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think like I, said, I don't know. Late night. I feel like this is also in the same category of uh, like if if you can get somebody else like Rob. And the problem is that Rob already seen it, so there's really no novelty factor to him. But no, <laughs> yeah, like, like that's the thing about this. So like I, I like to imagine that like uh, if you're like instruct uh, teaching a class. On whatever it is, whether it be tele or media, and you know, let's say you do a night on sketch comedy or absurdist absurdist media of the nineties, mm-hmm. and you show this, I feel the, the the people who are actually paying attention, not that they would dismiss it, but it'd be like, like it reminds me, of, oh god, what was it? Uh, for, what was it? South Park? Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. Oh. It, it would be like that. It'd be Family Guy did it. Cleveland Show did it. Mm-hmm. it. It would be that. It would just be like, oh, I've seen this before. Yeah, yeah. That's my problem. Is I think modern audiences, and never mind too that, like, again, we talk about this being kind of revolutionary for the early '90s. Like, it's funny if you were a kid. I, I said, "Oh God, what was it?" Um, this was on Twitter a couple days ago. Somebody like tweeted out like the the TV show, the Banana Splits intro, and they're like, like setting the mood to like it's 2002. You fall asleep while watching Dexter's Laboratory on Boomerang. You wake up at 3 a.m. to this. What do you feel? And like all the comments were like, oh my lord, the, the nostalgic terror I feel right now. And I think like when we, you and I were growing up, it's the idea that having weird stuff was such a weird, like, again, think about it. Like, you and I were growing up, you had Rugrats, you mm-hmm. had Doug. 
like if you were lucky, you caught bits and pieces of Ren and Stimpy that you really didn't understand, but you knew what it was. <laughs> sure. So like, so if you stumbled onto something like this, which I don't know how long this aired after 1991, it probably did. It probably lasted maybe two or three years tops and then disappeared. But if you were lucky to, to stumble into something like this, you were really seeing something that you couldn't see anywhere else unless you, you knew where to look, like maybe like at a video store or something like that. Yep. Nowadays, like it's so weird. Like kids are almost inundated with weird ass crap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. I, like if you're a kid these days, like finding something weird is not like like nowadays isn't hard to do. You just go on YouTube. It's almost and the they, norm for kids to get into weird stuff these days, I feel. Yeah, and, and that's the same thing that's kind of disappointing is that, like, if you and I saw this at seven years old, not that we'd be scarred, but we'd be like, I, we would never forget it. Much like, oh, God, um, I'm trying to think of, like, something we've talked about in cinema. These that'd be similar. I, I, I want to say real scary stories, but that's not really in the same vein as this. Sure. But something that's so kind of weird and off-putting, it leaves an indelible mark. Something like for a lot of people felt like Sloth and the Goonies. Like, like okay. see, seeing that sort of thing at that age is so or I guess the, the target audience for that film when it was released was so out of the norm. It couldn't left, but it couldn't, it couldn't help but leave an impression. Nowadays, there, there's some sketches uh, or bits from Kablam that I remember from being a kid that have stuck yes. with me because they're so strange and, and dark, you know? Yeah. That, that's a good example. Something yeah, like, like that. Yeah. Like when uh, life with loopy, all the expired food in the pantry comes to life and tries to like, make her one of them or something <laughs> yeah that that's the sort of thing where it's like okay the weirdness like helps in that kind of like curse the cowardly dog he's a good example yeah, of that yep like I, I guess i remember to this day the episode where uh, muriel gets invited to like what was it like the city to play the uh sitar oh mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the and encourage is going through the different doors and he opens the door to like the claymation girl playing the violin he's like oh and she turns around she's like like completely like and like messed up like that i'll never forget that not that it scared me but it just freaked the living daylights out of me sure yep and that and that it's like oh oh my best example of this and i again we can't i think i've talked about it before on here but i can't uh i can't unfortunately show it in aud auditory medium <laughs> but on sesame street the dogs they have the dogs with the people's oh, hands making things yeah i think i mentioned that and I'm like, that freaked the ever-living daylights out of me <laughs> as a kid. Like, I mean, like, like, you can ask my mother. I would sit there. Like, anytime that would come on, I would just run out of the room screaming. Man. That just it, – it's, it's something – it's so innocuous. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to be scary, but just the idea of like, dog heads in, like, these weird, like, shaped bodies. Because obviously it's a dog, like, sitting there under, like, with a stool under it. With people's hands doing things and the motions of the hands don't match what the dogs are doing, just freaked the living daylights. And the problem is that kids these days don't have that. Yeah, they don't. I think that's like I, maybe it's part of desens desensitizing people. And, it and it's also like what I said during our Alita Battle Angel episode. Like this is the sort of stuff that will put hair on your chest as a kid. You need <laughs> this. Sure. And that's why I mean, like, that's the problem. Like, I, I, as weird as it may sound, you show this to a 12 year old today and they're not going to be phased by it. They'll think it's dumb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, definitely. Or pe people our age might be able to appreciate more, appreciate it for that, like, like 90s aesthetic. That's another that's thing we didn't really touch upon at all is that it's real. It's yeah. this thing is heavily steeped in the 90s. That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think our age group would appreciate it on that on that level is a 90s aesthetic mm -hmm. but i think you'd be hard pressed to find people appreciate this as a cinemati 
Yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree with you. Yep. Is is it a late night movie? Yes, but maybe I'd say for the nineties aesthetic layer of it more than the cinematic level layer of it. Okay, so the next the next time somebody swears to me that I need to watch Stranger Stranger Things oh, because God. it looks so much like the eighties, I'm going to say you have to watch all the idiot box because it looks so it looks much just like, like the nineties like exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Good trade off. Actually, no. All right, Rob, I, I get the ha- short end of that deal. <laughs> yes, you do. Snack, snack, next, Zach, right? Snacks. Snacks. Okay. I want to start off um, with something that I don't think is low-hanging fruit. I don't know if Zach picked up on it or not, um, but it's actually going to be a drink. Do we have enough drinks in the Cinemonies restaurant yet, Zach? <laughs> we can never have enough drinks. So I don't know if you picked up on this, but I'm pretty sure it's the last episode episode six it's the last real sketch we get right before votar and it's a burrowing bishop sketch and this is the one with the kid in the well um when the the sketch is ending and the bishop like comes back with the wrong child and everybody's just like whatever they seem to laugh it off or something like that the bishop opens the top of his scepter and drinks from it it looks like oh so so this is my pitch i want like you can get maybe very much how we have for dead alive. We have our poison animal stimulant pint glass or beer stein. We would have like a burrowing Bishop scepter or staff slash scepter that you could drink at the, out of the top. What do you think? Merchandise. I dig it. Yes. I love the fact because it's hilarious to see in this sketch because you know, it's Alex winter and he's holding a, a scepter that goes up to almost his chin and he has to lift the entire thing to drink out of the top of it. And it's 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 visually comical. So I want to see, you know, kids with this in the restaurant and they're not watching how or they, they're not aware of like spatial relationships and they hit stuff when they lift the scepter over to drink out of it. You know, they're knocking over other people's scepters and stuff like that. <laughs> everybody gets a scepter at the Cinemati's restaurant. Everybody, everybody gets a scepter. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my I don't know what would be in the drink. Um do we have any Burrowing Bishop drinks? I don't think we do. I don't think they do. I would imagine it's alcohol. Oh, like the wine, like church wine. Sure, church wine. Isn't it called something? Probably like an, the blood of Christ. There we go. <laughs> the Burrowing Bishop scepter, from which you can drink the blood of Christ. Yeah, that's what we need. Religious religion on the Cinemodities restaurant menu. So the other ones I was thinking of, as I already mentioned, we have to come back to Willard Shrek. I just want to to see someone with a plate, a regular old flat, you know, dinner plate with just a pile of beef sticks and some caffeine pills on it. (laughs) Like that's it. It's just, you know, beef sticks with a side of caffeine pills, just right on that plate. You had, you were, you thinking of beef sticks and caffeine pills too for snacks? Did that come up for you at all? I, I, it did not. No, you didn't. Cause why you were so tuned out for the Willard Shrek stuff. No, I want is it's not a food item. It's ornamentation for the Cinematis restaurant. Oh, okay. I okay. want from the ceiling. I want an Eddie the Flying Gimp that's like hung on a string and it flies around the restaurant. <laughs> Except because it's it's so antiquated technology, it hardly ever works. So all you do is see the track around the ceiling of the building, and very rarely ever see it. So like when you do see it happen, it's a very rare thing. <laughs> would it interact with any of the customers or just fl- do the flyer it, it just flies around the restaurant 
Okay, okay. Does it when it does work? Does it make like any loud, obnoxious noise, like the machinery behind it, like it's distracting or anything? Oh yeah, it's distracting. Okay. Does it make the little? Isn't it like we hear every time Eddie is actually like flying on camera in the show? Don't we hear some like little jingle or like some little bells or something? It's like yeah. his theme music or something. Okay, so it'd be like we could be playing that, but we hear the grinding of the gears from all the rusted out mechanics that we have that are exactly. overpowering the theme song. It's kind of like when you go like to the Christmas village and they have like the little animatronic Santas and it's like, oh man, like the music's playing though, but you can just hear those gears are grinding. Is it going to be loud enough to over like uh, drown out the Vox Lux animatronics if they're going well, on at the same time? Well, it never happens enough. That That's never happened so far. Oh, that, so that's an even rarer event. Oh yeah. Like any, <laughs> any the flying gimp flying around the restaurant, maybe it happens maybe like three or four times a month. Oh, okay. How, how it, often does the Vox Lux animatronic happen? depends on how many uh pills there are in the restaurant Every... <laughs> coffee cups with liquor that don't that don't suck or wine that doesn't suck <laughs> yes perfect okay i get behind that i like eddie eddie flying around in our restaurant absolutely the only other snack that i had i only had snacks zach i'm sorry i wasn't i wasn't thinking into the into the restaurant aesthetics but i'm glad you are um we should serve uh, our um any food that we already have that is made out of ground meat like ground beef i think we have a burger on the menu probably Just, uh, there's a chance that there's gonna be some mr potato head parts in it okay because i figured you know if if there's anything on our menu that's just regular i'm pretty i can't remember what it was from but i'm pretty sure there was something that has a crazy name but it's just a regular hamburger <laughs> when you get yeah. it yeah um, that, that there's a chance you're going to get some Mr. Potato Head parts in there because you know, why, why have anything safe at the Cinemodities restaurant? <laughs> it wouldn't be right unless you have some sort of intestinal bleeding after you're through exactly. eating with us. <laughs> yes. You puncture your intestines after the Cinemodities restaurant, because if we had something that was safe, I know we've mentioned it already that people go on the Reddit forums and they figure out, you know, what's okay and not okay to eat at the Cinemodities restaurant. As soon as they find that one thing that's safe, that's all everybody's going to order. And we want, you know, we want to move all our product. We don't want to just push out hamburgers for exactly. safety reasons, you know. <laughs> did you have any other snacks, any other ways to benefit our restaurant, Zach? I did not. No, not from the idiot box. What? No, there's not a lot of food in this stuff for like, like again, caffeine pills. I think we need to end bee sticks. <laughs> I think we need to revoke your snack master status. Why? I'm I am going. I've elevated beyond that now. I think it's been too long since we've referred to you as the snack master. Yeah. What do you think? Let's vote right now. Everybody in favor, say aye. 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 Oh, that was geez. both of us. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm no longer the snack master. That gets one veto a year in Cinemodities, <laughs> and this is what he's going to use it on. <laughs> I, can I use my veto on the uh, sketch comedy Fort Month? No, that's too late. Oh. <laughs> that's too late. That's too late. It's okay. all right. It's all right. I'll forfeit my title as a snack master as long as I can still be the Lego Maniac. Oh, God. No, that one you never had to begin with. Of course I did. <laughs> you can keep Odd Zach. <laughs> and, the, and and the connoisseur of context. Yes, that one. That one you definitely have earned on this the, podcast. The fake name savant. Now, I don't think you've earned that one on this, but you've sold me on it. So oh, okay, good. Go there's different you. levels, and the Lego Maniac. You've done nothing. You have not earned it. You haven't sold me on it. You haven't even established it well enough. 
<laughs> you're the leg. You're the flying Lego maniac from outer space. <laughs> there you go. Oh God. Bingo. All right, Zach. Well, if you have nothing else to say about the idiot box, I want to let everybody know that we are going to be trekking along with sketch comedy for the next seven episodes with one break Stop in there. Stop saying that. Stop oh, saying no, that. I have, to, I have to grade into you and everybody else. But next week, we are marching on in chronological order with Mr. Show with Bob and David. And one that is one that is actually well-known in terms of critical and otherwise acclaim. So, Zach, you'll feel better about this, right? I hope so. And there won't be as I many. There so. might be there might be some addendums to Rob rules, but no new rules. We'll see how that changes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should end this episode with just some good old, you know, we get a little bit of Idiot Box intro music with some of that weird animation that happens. Let's just stick with that, right? Sounds like plan. It's the pump. All I know is the pump. Oh! <laughs>